From the game gurus at Snakes and Lattes, you're listening to the Snakes Cast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Welcome to the Snakes Cast. I'm Jonathan Moriarty. Joining me this week are Maddie McLean. Hey. And Thomas Burton. Hey. And we're having a mechanic spotlight this week. We're going to talk about a particular thing which shows up in some games. In this case, we're going to talk about auctions. In the real world, auctions are really super useful. If you have something you want to sell and you set the price too high, it might not get bought. You set it too low, it might not make as much profit as you could. With an auction, you put something up for bids, and you're going to get the highest price that somebody is willing to pay for it. So people don't, uh, it's, it's going to sell, it's not going to cost too much for somebody to buy it, but it's not going to sell for so little that you, well, it's going to sell for about as much as you can get. So we get the most value for something. Now in games, auctions are useful too, because if everything you can get in a game has a set value, then whoever picks first is going to have a big advantage, they're going to take the best thing. With an auction, though, it becomes this contest of brinksmanship. How much are you willing to pay for something? How much are you willing to pay to stop somebody else from getting something? And there are lots of different ways to do this, and we're going to get into that. So, uh, Maddie, Thomas, do you guys like auctions in games, generally? I think auctions are one of my favorite parts of games. How come? Uh, I, as you said before, I'm a bit of a, a screw-you gamer. <laughs> and uh, I, I kind of find auctions are like one of the, the best ways to do that. You like you like bidding up the price of something that uh, that you don't necessarily want, yeah. but which you know somebody else really wants. So it, you make it, them pay more for it, even though you're not actually going to get it. It is a frequent strategy I do I do use. That, that of course can backfire on you if somebody else decides, okay, fine, pass. You okay. can you can have it even though you didn't want it. Yeah. And you get to pay for it. But uh, that's it, it's I, I think the fact that it works both ways is one of the strengths of it though. How about you, Thomas? Yeah. Um, Actually, when I think about it, all my or most of my favorite games involve some sort of auction element. Really? Um, and like whether it's you know just that element of the more people want something, the more it's going to cost. Mm -hmm. um, and I kind of like it for that same sort of brinksmanship aspect, and also because I I love games that force you to get into the heads of your opponents. And so, kind of trying to think, okay, what is the highest price that person is willing to pay? How badly do they want this? And how can I make them pay a little bit more than that? <laughs> or how, do, how can I make them pay exactly the highest price they want to without being forced to take it myself for a higher price than I would like? And of course, trying to get a sense of, once again, are they trying to sucker you into pushing them to that point yes. so that you're going to wind up left holding the bag? Uh, so what, what are some of those games that you enjoy a lot? What are some of your favorite games with auctions in? I think mine, without a doubt, right now is Revolution. Mm. I adore that game. I think it's so simple to pick up and so easy to play. A blind bidding auction, too. That's, I, that's always terrifying. Yes, but there's something about that that, like, I've played it with many of my friends before, and it's one of the games that we just gravitate towards now because it's just so interesting and so streamlined. We'll talk a little bit about the different kinds of auctions, like blind bidding, a little bit later. How about you, Thomas? You mentioned that almost all of your favorites are, uh, have auctions in them. Yeah, well, probably my favorite that has like a straight bidding system would be Tammany Hall. It's mm -hmm. another blind bidding system. It actually has a lot in common with Revolution. Uh, it's a little bit deeper, a little bit uh, more complex. But basically, it puts uh, the players in the shoes of corrupt New York politicians trying to use favors they've gained from... Uh, the immigrant populations in the various wards of New York to uh, win political elections. So it's got that same kind of blind bid element and that same kind of, how badly do you want this? <laughs> and, you know, that feeling of uh, 
you know, you put your hands in the middle, you've got all your chips, which are your votes, and you flip up and you reveal, and you bid nothing, and they bid like six, and you're like, yes! Or, conversely, they bid three, and you bid four, and you're like, I, I made the right calculation, is so gratifying. There's really no feeling like it. That's the glory of blind bidding, but uh, we'll get into that a little bit of detail in a bit. Let's talk about the different kinds of auctions you can have in a game. More generally, sometimes in an auction, you keep your bid if you don't win. Like in a, in a standard auction like you would see at Sotheby's or something. The people who bid and don't actually win, they don't have to pay money. But sometimes, in some kinds of games, when you bid your money, you lose it. Straight up. And only the person who bid the highest actually gets anything out of it. Like in Revolution, for example. Where you, uh, you spend your money for your bribes and your blackmail and your force and so on. And uh, if it turns out that somebody else leaned on somebody harder than you did, then they get to use that person and you don't. But your money's still spent. Now, in a case where you bid and lose, uh, especially in a case where it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an ongoing auction, it can actually be in your best interest to keep bidding, even when it's not worth it anymore, because otherwise you get nothing. Have you ever heard of the dollar auction? Nope. The dollar auction is, uh, is, is one of these game theory games, like The Prisoner's Dilemma. It works like this. Uh, I have a dollar here, and it's up for bids. How much do you want to bid for my dollar? How much do you give me for it? One cent. All right. Maddie, how much will you give me for my dollar? I'll give you two cents. All right, Thomas? I will give you three cents. And this is going to continue until somebody has bid a dollar and the other person has bid 99 cents. But the person who's bid 99 cents is going to lose their 99 cents. Unless they go for one dollar and one cent, in which case they'll win and they'll only lose one cent. And so it goes. Yeah. And nobody wants to stop bidding because that's how it's going to go. So in an open auction, which is actually quite rare. You, most, most board games that have auctions don't have open auctions, where it's like, okay, 50, do I hear 60? Um, you, I think that you have that in Modern Art, which is one where you're selling paintings. Classic game called Masterpiece as well. Yep. But uh, that's, uh, it's, it, we don't really see all that much of that in these games because of the fact that it takes a while and because you can really sort of get stuck. Um, the most common type of auction that you'll see in, uh, in board games is probably the turn-based auction. Like, you'll see this in Power Grid or in Princess of Florence. There's, there's an item up for bids. I'll bid 200 for it. And the person to my left can either make a higher bid or they can pass. And the next person can raise or pass, raise or pass, raise or pass. We keep going until everybody's passed except one person and that person takes it. It's kind of time consuming. It does take a while. Sometimes it gets something like raw. Have you guys played raw? Yes. Yes. That's, that's, that's the one where you've got all these tiles that keep building up. Mm -hmm. And there's only once a round in that one. Everybody gets to make one bit, one bit, yeah. that's it. Almost more like a trick-taking game. Almost in some ways, yeah. It feels a little bit like that, because everybody puts out one card, and it's the highest one that gets to take it. Blind bidding is really controversial. Blind bidding is the one where everybody makes one bid, and you have no idea what anybody else is bidding. And some people really hate that. <laughs> yeah, you guys seem to love blind bidding, but yeah. I, I guess you can imagine. It doesn't take a lot to imagine why some people would be pretty turned off by that, right? Yeah. It's, uh, it's a risky proposition, especially because in most blind bidding games, you lose what you exactly. bid, regardless of whether or not you win. It's bid it and lose it in that case. Uh, and they can be fairly uh, cutthroat, and some people just don't want cutthroat games. Especially if you don't feel like you're very good at reading the other players. Absolutely. I mean, if, if you can zig when the other player expects you to zag in a blind bidding game like Revolution, you can make a real mess of the other player's faces. <laughs> and without having to spend a whole lot either, you just bid like nothing, like next to nothing, on the stuff they're not bidding on at all. 
and bid just a little more than they do on the stuff that they really want. And oh, I think that's a classic Euro strategy where what you do, if you just do what's opposite of what everyone else is doing, generally you stand a good chance. It's true. Yeah, lots of games are like that. You want to go against the current. Mm -hmm. There's, uh, there's uh, one of the mechanics that I've seen turning up a lot in, uh, in, 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 in the heavier Euros, which I'm really fond of. This shows up in Almond Ray, it shows up in Cyclades, is what I call the switcheroo auction, where there's a bunch of different items up for bids, and we can each get one. And I make a bid on something, and then you can, you can, you can, you can bid on something else, or you can make a higher bid on the thing I just bid on, which means I have to go somewhere else and make a bid on a different thing. And we keep doing this until, uh, so, yeah, Thomas, you were mentioning another game that uses that? Yeah, uh, Evo uses that. It's Evo, right, the dinosaur one. Uh, yeah, you're bidding on mutations for your dinosaurs. Um, you, in Evo, you cannot immediately bid on the thing you just got outbid on. You right. have to move somewhere else. Same thing in Cyclades. Yeah. Um, right. So you can sort of knock somebody out and force them to go somewhere else, but at the cost of raising the bid. Isn't yes. that the same thing with the Lords of Vegas? Or Vegas Showdown? Uh, yeah, I think Vegas Showdown did Vegas have that going on there as well. So it's, 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 it's a really clever, it's, it's simple. But it gives lots of uh, lots of breadth for options, it, and it's nice because you get that same kind of valuation, like accuracy, like mm -hmm. everyone's paying what they think something's worth. Yeah, it's it's very granular. You have a lot of flexibility in terms of how much you can pay or not pay for something. But it's a lot faster than a turn-based. It's true. It does move more quickly because by the time it's, it's one auction, and by the time it's done, everybody gets something instead of one auction, and then one person gets something if they do another one. Um, there's also the Dutch auction. I've only seen that in one game, Merchants of Amsterdam. That's, uh, the Dutch auction works like this. The price starts really high. And it's like way higher than anybody would pay for whatever the item is. And it starts dropping. And it keeps dropping until somebody bids. And then it's over. Oh. That's kind of like what No Thanks does, actually. It sort of yeah. is. It's uh, No Thanks is a really dead simple card game where everybody keeps putting chips in the middle, putting chips in the middle until somebody decides, you know what, I don't want to put any more chips in, I'll take this bad thing that I don't want. And uh, it's, I never really thought of it like that, but it absolutely is a, a form of Dutch auction. The, uh, and then of course there's area majority games like El Grande where you're putting dudes on a map, sort of like in Risk, but at uh, certain times during the game whoever's got the most dudes in each region will get points. And that, that actually is a lot like an auction. We mentioned uh, earlier on. We mentioned the uh, the cutthroat style of auction games and how it can be a bit of a turnoff for some players. What are some other disadvantages the, to auctions? Some drawbacks, things that might turn people off those kinds of games. Well, we talked about valuation before, and a kind of auction game we didn't really touch on, but also has similar valuation problems are negotiation games, especially mm -hmm. ones that are have very open negotiation. Right. The game that jumps to mind is uh, Traders of Genoa. Right. where everything you have is available to trade with people and nothing has a fixed value. The, fi the value of anything is how much are you willing to give for it, um, which can be super interesting, but especially if nobody's played the game before or even worse, if a couple people haven't played before, you've got no idea what people are going to be willing to pay for stuff, so you end up overpaying or underpaying, and that can really throw the balance of a game out of whack. I see that happening in Princes of Florence sometimes, Absolutely. too. New players have no idea how much things are really worth. I always try to mention, okay, the jesters, don't let those go for less than 900 florin. They're the most valuable thing in the game, especially early on. Don't let those go for cheap. And uh, usually that's sort of enough. But um, 
Yeah, when the value of an item, uh, like the jesters, changes throughout the game. Yeah, it's not clear how much you really want to pay for it. That can be a real obstacle yeah. for new players. Um, can you think of anything else that might uh, be a sort of a drawback for auctions? Uh, as far as auction games go, I think the, the biggest problem is just people not realizing just how much you have available. Right, I know I'm running out of money too soon. Yeah, mm. oh, yeah, I was going to say that, yeah. I'm knocking yourself out of the game early. Mm. But uh, again, that's, that's, that's a sort of a, a learning curve issue, and they, they can be pretty steep, especially at first. I mean, the, the rules usually aren't that complicated, but you can really kind of screw yourself early on. Yeah, a, a game like High Society, where mm. your money is cards, and if you've spent all your cards, like, you're just not playing the second half of the game. I love High Society I love it so too. much. It's because you want to bid to get these things, but at the end of the money, whoever's got the least amount of money left loses. So you have to get more stuff without spending more money. And uh, that, that, that tension is just amazing. But yeah, it can, it can really throw new players off. So when you guys, uh, as gurus, recommend auction games, how do they tend to do? How do they, how do they go? I think it depends on the group. Like, uh, Revolution is one of the games that has entered my regular recommendation cycle. So when I introduce that game to people, I want to make sure that they are the type. Usually I say it's just like, all right, do you like your friends or do you hate your friends? <laughs> right, do you want to kill your friends or do you want to, you know, outsmart your friends? And it's, it's, it's one of those games that's kind of fitting that little niche market for people who really want to have something engaging with their friends but really want to have that feeling of dominance over them. I think one of the real strengths of the blind bidding games like Revolution is the fact that you are screwing the other players over, but you can never be sure who you're going to screw this turn, mm -hmm. or if you're the one who's going to be on the short end of the stick. And the fact that it's not personal, I think, gives it a real advantage over, or, or, or disadvantage in some cases. I mean, if you really want to stomp on somebody else's face, that guy right there, then a blind bidding game isn't going to do that. But if you want to sort of be able to get away with it without necessarily being personally uh, you know, without, without necessarily taking it personally, then that can be a really good thing. How about you, Tom? Uh, game, auction games that I like recommend, and how do I recommend them? Um, and and then what sort of results do you get? Do yeah, you tend to, to, it, it's tough like because, like we mentioned, that valuation problem. Um, so I try to emphasize, uh, like I try to get people playing quickly, mm. and because uh, most of the ones I tend to recommend are short. Right. Um, so high society, no thanks, um, for sale, uh, games that can be played pretty quickly. So try to get them through a game and then, or, or like say, play this twice because you're going to have a much better idea of like what to do the second time you play it. Because the first time it can be very tough to see what things are worth. I can see how that would definitely help to sort of ease people in. Well, we hope you've enjoyed this uh, look into auctions and games. Something most people would not necessarily have thought would be part of games, but it's actually a really vital mechanic, and it makes for some amazing gameplay. We hope to see you at Snakes and Lattes sometime soon, so you can try them out for yourself. Until then, I'm Jonathan Moriarty with Thomas Burton and Maddie McLean. Game on. We have a special announcement this week. This coming Saturday, we're doing our annual Movember Livestream Catanathon raising research money for prostate and testicular cancer. You can join me, our gurus, and some very special friends of the cafe as we play Settlers of Catan over and over in the name of Movember. You can donate to deal out punishments to us, talk to us live via web chat, and of course watch us suffer, all on our website at snakesandlattes.com. Be sure to spread the word and tune in at 1 o'clock on Saturday, November 16th. 
until then, this is P.T. Douglas saying thanks for listening and game on.